My motion to move our recording from Wednesday night to, I never want to talk about this goddamn football team again. Are you fucking crazy? Shut it down. Shut it all down. Delete the account and burn every tape of the podcast. Did not carry. So instead, welcome to another edition of the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and I have been drinking wine all evening. I was making uh, bolognese earlier, so I had to, of course, test out the Sauvignon Blanc before I deglazed the pan. Then I had a glass of the Sauvignon Blanc, which was pretty good for nine bucks, while the whole thing reduced. Then, you know, since it was in there, I had a glass to pair with dinner. Then I switched to red after dinner on a recent recommendation from an uh, onophile colleague of mine at Baseball Prospectus, who got into uh, Toruga Nacional this past summer. It's one of the grapes used to make port. And this is actually a still red from Portugal using that grape. It's it's nice. It's a very it's not like a something you eat, something you pair with food, but it's a nice after dinner red, very much a port on the nose. We can have a glass or three without getting uh, as punchy as I did in the Middlesbrough preview a few months back while drinking port. Uh, and if you're wondering about tracking this down out there, if that's something that interests you, and you want what the name and the vintage is, I can tell you that. It's a, a Quinto de Carvajas from 2016. So a drink I cannot in any way relate to the current state of the team, as we occasionally do. Uh, things have been so bad, all our Brits have fucked off, and I'm left just with uh, Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Glad to be here with you, Jeff. Um, I've been looking, uh, I was looking for a brown ale. I spent more time than I meant to looking for a brown ale recently, but I was at the wrong liquor store and I didn't find a brown ale and I settled on a white ale from uh, Knuckabout Brewing Company, which I had mentioned before, uh, local Cape Cod over in Mashpee. Um, it's fine. It does what I need. It has low IBUs and uh, it's got alcohol in it. So I had, uh, I picked up a local brown so I was going, they do a bourbon barrel aged version of their Imperial Stout uh, this time of year with like uh local Litchfield Distillery for your bourbon barrels. And I've had it before on tap and it's quite good, but they were actually bottling it this year to sell. So I'm like, oh, I'll pick up a few of those. And while I was there, I do like their brown ale. Uh, this is a brewery legitimist. I've had a stuff on their show before. It's called the Counter Surfer. I don't think you can get it up there probably, although it is like canned. So I'll, I'll keep an eye out. Like I said, I was, I was looking. It is that time of year where you want. Yeah. You want some, yeah malty, probably. chocolatey, roasty coffee, whatever. All those yeah. things. And then instead I went and got a uh, white ale, but mm. that's, uh, that's how that goes. How is it going to go on this episode of the Owls AmeriCast? We're going to review uh, two shitty games. Then we're going to preview what are probably going to be two more shitty games. <laughs> and we have some dispatches from Bulgarian soccer. And that's about the show. <laughs> I, I am very glad, Justin, I will say that last week I said we were suspending... 90 and 90, because God help me if I had to come up with something to say about these two games. I did watch all of the Norwich game. I did not watch all of the Huddersfield game, having watched all of the Norwich game. I felt like that was enough for one week. But what is your talking point from these two games? Um, well, I actually, I'm going to come in right off the bat. Maybe this will provide a little bit of entertainment for everybody. I'm going to disagree with you slightly that the Norwich game was uh, crap. I actually thought the Norwich game was, this is my first talking point about it, was excellent football for what we are dealing with. And what we are dealing with is Tony Pulis 
and a bunch of guys who have limited offensive ability. Um, the, the positive thing, we might as well get the positivity out of the way because I think we're all still in a pretty deep funk after that disaster yesterday. But I really liked what I saw for much of the Norwich game. I thought we were exactly what Tony Pulis wants us to be. We were very compact. Um, we stifle the team that, frankly, is a Premier League team and will return there after this year. Um, they have a lot of attacking talent, and certainly for the first half and, and beyond, they couldn't do anything. They made absolutely no inroads against us. And then we've seen that a couple times this year uh, where we've been able to really stifle teams. Uh, but the difference for me was that when we got that ball, we moved forward and we moved decisively and we were able to push forward, get it out wide and get crosses in, which is exactly what Tony Pulis wants. I thought that the choice of uh, Don Mayorfa in the midfield was inspired. I, I don't think that it was perfect. I think he lacked instincts there um but i i love the idea of having him protecting the back line and being able to drive forward um i thought we you know sat back we allowed them to come to us we moved the ball it was a uh beautiful goal um a quick counter and the cross from reach was stunning the the finish was outstanding um that was exactly how you draw up a tony pulis offensive attack uh they attempted to split they attempted to split uh massimo and uh baz uh, i believe moss made the sliding tackle harris stepped in put it out wide we went down the wing crossed and in that was exactly what we want to see out of pulis football yeah i mean i don't disagree with any of that and that's how they're going to have to win games but the thing is, they have two points from five under Tony Pulis playing that kind. Like, ultimately, the quality of football at this point is irrelevant. He was brought in to be a fireman and get points and get them out of the cellar. And, like, look, they're still only four points out of safety because this league is a tire fire at the bottom of it. So this isn't dire straits yet. But there's some bad markers out of these two games. Like, look, Norwich, you get into the, you know, past 80 minutes, you need to see them see it out. And Norwich just had enough attacking firepower and enough attacking firepower on the bench with fresh legs to finally break them down twice in the space of about five minutes. You know, if, if Pelopesi puts away... That second goal, if the one of the Harris, should have. if one of the Harris penalty shouts goes Wednesday's way, or you, it's which kind of they hard, should have, it's kind of hard to say that coming off the back of last week's game to complain about any penalty decision not going Wednesday's way, but you know you put yourself in that situation because as soon as Windass scored that goal, Windass was subbed off. They went very defensive, and the fact that they even had essentially two clear cut chances. One was a, a good last-ditch tackle, and one was Joey Pelotese kicking it directly into the keeper's chest from 12 yards out. I mean, how, how you how you end up with a squad 
where Joey Pelopesi is the sole person making a run into the box there. I don't know. That's neither here nor there. Uh, I don't know why Joey Pelopesi is on the pitch <laughs> at any point in time. But as someone in the WhatsApp group pointed out recently, he's been selected by four different managers now. So he must be the greatest midfielder in training you've ever seen in your life is the only thing I can come up with well, at this point. I, I think that leads perfectly to what my sort of other point is, is that I, I really liked all of these things from Pulis to start the game. I, I liked the choice of Iorfa. I think he obviously had figured out exactly how to slow down Norwich. And there, you know, we talked about it before, you know, the, the way that they attack um, on the ground. And, and he completely stifled them, set up a plan. Everything was good. And then Tony Pulis had to be Tony Pulis. And he went into a shell way too early and, and and he dropped in he switched out uh, they made the subs they switched into you know nine men behind the ball harris up front which you know to to his credit was successful in killing off the stoke game i mean when you're a but man down there's it's different than when you're playing 11 on 11 it, it's true um but here here's the problem and this is why i think that tony pulis did everything right to start the game and to get the game going and killed it by being Tony Pulis to drop nine, 10 men behind the ball to go into a shell. Once you have the lead, that is old fashioned football. And that is football that does not work anymore. And we just saw exactly why we invited them to attack. I mean, you can do it for 15 minutes. I don't know if you can do it for 30 right. minutes. Is Thank you. Like, Cause it's perfect. It's mentally yeah. exhausting for the players, which I think is something that we saw uh, with Kadeem Harris at the end of the first half of the Stoke game. Like it is very difficult to do full backs to the wall defending like that for an extended period of time, like, especially against a team as Norwich isn't just going to, you know, try to knock it out wide and put headers in for you to clear out from the box. Like you're going to have to man, like what happened is Lee stepped out and he got a ball shot through his legs. Essentially what happened, they kept making runs off the last man's shoulder. They weren't really pressing up on, on the midfielders outside of the D and eventually they picked him off is, is what happened. And it wasn't even something where necessarily you saw it coming. Like we've watched plenty of Wednesday games where they've conceded in the last five or ten <laughs> minutes or in stoppage time where you felt like it was coming. I like Norwich all, was always a threat, but it was not a situation where I thought it was fait accompli. I thought they, for the most part, defended pretty well. Once the first one came in, I'm like, they're absolutely conceding a second one before the game's over. Uh, because yes, the, I, I didn't see that given how well uh, they just, had played. They you still know, like the, the they just the like the five minutes before that goal, like they after the Pelopesi chance, they really hadn't gotten the ball out of their own half. Because they weren't putting any pressure. This is this right. Is that's exactly the thing. that's how that you let them that's again. how you let them they pick you off when they can play defeat like that. Yeah. Yeah. They gave are. them the final third of the pitch and said, Come through us. And you know what? Players these days can do that. The game can do that. The players have grown up learning how to do that this is not it's old-fashioned football and it's not you know and again i i i felt bad because i've been pretty adamant about being anti pulis um you know we got to support him we got to support the team i i do want to do that but i was so excited at some of the things that i saw during the course of that game 
that were had clearly come from him um and to see him flush it down the toilet by going back to football that again really isn't relevant and doesn't work today it was just it was a shame i i got a little bit of a little bit of grief and, and actually a fair amount of support for a tweet I threw out at the end of the game saying that, you know, I, I thought that we played really well to go on the road to Norwich and maybe not outplay them, but certainly play with them, have a couple of really difficult decisions go against us and get scored on by, frankly, Premier League caliber players. So I was kind of proud of that effort and how that game came out. The loss sucks. We'll move on. Um, you know, some people kind of shot at me, you know, you must be joking. You got to do this. I said, no, that's, that's what we want to see. Um, and unfortunately, uh, I don't really want to segue, but that did not continue. <laughs> I mean, so before we go to the Huddersfield game, cause let's spend as little time on the Huddersfield game as possible. I certainly did on my that Tuesday nice. afternoon, but <laughs> The I, I do agree with you, Raleigh, that there are positives to take away from the Pulis era versus the Monk era. I think we're more, I think, broadly speaking, both managers want to play a certain counterattacking form of football. And I think we've been much more clinical doing that, much more organized at the back and much better transitioning from defense to attack under Pulis and under Monk. However, if you're going to fire Gary Monk to replace him with Tony Pulis because you think Tony Pulis is both the manager to lead Wednesday to safety and perhaps even take them beyond that, given his success in this league in the recent past. Ultimately, it's a results-based decision, and the results have not been there. Now, again, I don't know how much yet you can put on Pulis's tactics versus just the shortcomings of the squad they have right now. Cause you know, if you hand wave the six point deduction, they would put them at 15 points, which would still have them in a relegation scrap right now from what we've seen so far this season. That is not a, that is not a points per game ratio. It is going, that would even necessarily keep them super safe without the six point deduction they're dealing with. God, you know, thank God for Sheffield Wednesday's lawyers. If it was a 12-point deduction, we'd be all making, well, not us, but <laughs> people would be making plans for trips to, you know, MK Don's and... Oh, yeah, no, let's Plymouth not... Let's Argyle not start and whatever, you know. Just start, I can't even name League One teams at this point. <laughs> um, blessed leaving out of that league for so long. But then that, that takes to the Huddersfield game. And I think when we talked about, we talked to uh, James last week in the Huddersfield preview, they they can score goals and they can ship goals. And you saw the way they're able to create goals. But Wednesday, like, even before it all fell apart, were simply not pressuring that back line at all. They were offering nothing going forward. And then behind 1-0, they were offering nothing going forward. Once they went behind 2-0, it was clear they were not going to... Like, at no point... I mean, I watched a little bit after the free kick went in. Like, at that point, you got to, like, get Izzy Brown on. Get on, like, play 4-3-3. Like, play a real 4-3-3. And you have to be, like, tactically flexible. Like, if you lose 4-0, whatever. But you got to try to get a result out of that. And... 
some of that's on the players that just does not seem up for it at all. And I'm a, I'm of two minds here. The fixture schedule is incredibly clogged. There's going to be times where they have performances like that, and Pulis is not rotating the squad particularly. That might be something he needs to start doing just to get fresh legs in there, if nothing else. You know, get Fizz in, get Izzy Brown in. You know, you know, give some of those fullback. You know, rotate your fullbacks a little more, rotate your center backs a little more. Just and again, I know there's a danger in that too because you want the familiarity with the back line, especially the way he wants to play. But this is not a normal season. I think you have to be a little more uh, flexible, adaptable, in terms of, adaptable. Yeah, yeah. Flexible. and I don't think that, that's the other thing. That's not Tony Pulis, right? <laughs> He is going. He he wants to play. He will play a center back ninety minutes. Same center back pairing ninety minutes a day for ninety minutes a game for forty six games. In her favor. So, so this is my my issue with with Pulis in Hutter, in the Huddersfield game, and it the players sucked. That that was probably the worst game I've ever seen Dom Iorfa play in a Wednesday shirt. Right and. You know what, Jeff, you, you raised a great point with the short schedule. Like that is, you know, that, that can happen. Like players can have off games, like, and, and I'm sure that they were not doing quite what they need to do. You guys would be, I'm sure Patty would be excited. I saw the, the donut formation uh, at one point. I kept trying to pause and take pictures of it to send, but I couldn't do it. Um, so that was bad. But here's what absolutely crushes me with this game is that, Pulis got his tactics wrong from the start. I'm not going to pretend that I have a ability to watch on my iPad and tell you how the tactics are playing out. But I know that he made multiple switches early on. And the simple fact is, is that everybody knew how Huddersfield likes to play coming into the game. All right. It's not dissimilar to Norwich. So why he changed things up and didn't continue to apply pressure and put men on their midfield who likes to tap it around and get some short movement in the middle. We failed to do that. And some of that was the Wongo having an off game, no doubt. Um, but we failed to stop what they do and they do nothing that is not predictable. And this is not to say I actually really like where Huddersfield is right now. And when we talk about the Barnsley preview, I'm going to compare those two teams and contrast them with where Wednesday is. But that's Pulis did not set us up to succeed. The players did not show up. And that's why you're down 2 nothing without a sniff of a goal uh, within the first 25 minutes. So the other thing I think that's been sort of put into stark relief by the, the Norwich game and the Huddersfield town game. You know, two teams that, you know, as you said, I think, and I agree. I think Norwich is basically a Premier League quality team that got relegated and should probably go back up in short order. You know, Huddersfield has been a Premier League team certainly more recently than Wednesday, but was in a relegation scrap last year and has brought in you know, a Bielsa disciple to and a lot of young and a lot of young athletic active players in right. a positive modern game. Right. Tony Pulis's shit can still work, but the window might be closing on it. And also, this is not probably the squad that's built to do it. 
I, I think this squad can do it. I and mean, this is it's this like it's like eight out of the eleven players he needs, and I think the holds show up at the wrong time, basically. Um yeah, I mean I you know that the game yesterday is one of those games where normally I would just say fuck it. It it happens. It's it's a shit show. The players didn't show up. Like I said, I mean that was that was the worst game I've ever seen Don Mayorfa play. Don Mayorfa is so consistent, is so good, is so positionally smart, tough. He was a disaster. He was all over the place. You know, he he was he was so dumb. Um, but I just couldn't. You know, some of the some of those individual mistakes, the the play by Palmer leading to the free kick. I'm a Liam Palmer fan. I, mean, I think he's a quality championship. His a feet lot of that's were rooted on, in yeah. mud. A lot of that's on the back pass from Lee's. It's absolutely well, yeah. Shocking. Lee, Lee's misplayed like he, that. He, he laid foul, like Palmer. There's a way Palmer can do that and not draw a foul. Basically, there's a way you can block Palmer, off. Palmer could have moved his feet. Yeah, you know, he was the way he, he did it was so stopped. clumsy that you know nine times out of ten, your that call is going to go against you. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, and and uh, I just, I, I would ninety percent of the time I would say, that's one game, screw it, let's, you know, it happens. But you, you alluded it's to it. It's only forty six, and they need results. <laughs> but Jeff, there was no response. Yeah, from Pulis. Dom Housen no, and, tweeted something at like the seventy five minute mark. That's like, if Wednesday is going to get back into this, they need to score a goal. So like, Dom, they're not scoring a goal. Surely not scoring two. Yeah, no, oh, they're not I scoring a goal. Yeah, I I believe I called for a, a change. Now, oh, was it another? They brought in Pelopessi. Oh, he brought in Pelopessi yeah. at half time. Yeah, it fucking now I get again that you, must be the greatest player on the training pitch you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> I I get that Luongo was leggy. He's been recently back from an injury, and frankly, he just he didn't look up for it. I'm okay with the idea of bringing on Pelopessi, even down 2-0, if that leads to some sort of switch in tactics where you move other players forward. And that's not what happened. And that's what pissed me off the whole second half, which I did. I watched every minute. Um, I, Lord knows why. I think I made it clear on here before. When I know it's done, I will pull the, you know, I will flush it and I will run. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I, I thought I'd stick around for it, but, you know, there was absolutely no response from Pulis. And this is sort of my second point of the the Huddersfield game. And, I, and I'm not trying to make today about picking on Pulis. Mm-hmm. But if we go back and we look at the games that Tony Pulis has managed, there are six games, I believe. We lost one nothing to Preston. We tied 1-1 to Swansea. Tied 0-0 to Stoke. 1-1 with Reading. Lost 2-1 with Norwich and lost 2 nothing Huddersfield. Okay. Out of those games, the Preston game, yes, the red card hurts. Pulis did nothing. We sat around for 78 minutes waiting, and then finally he throws on some attacking talent. The Swansea game, I actually thought we played well and then kind of hung in there. The Stoke game, we did nothing. They did nothing. That still <laughs> might be the worst football game I've ever seen. The Reading game, I didn't have a problem with because we were under assault and we handled it well. Norwich, you know, like I said, he went into a shell too early. And then Huddersfield, we sat around. I mean, he fucking brought on Izzy Brown and Elias Kachunga in like the 82nd minute. 
How about the 46th minute, homie? Like, what are you waiting for? We, we have played six games under Tony Pulis. We've given up seven goals. We've scored three. We have 10 shots on target in that time. That's more than I would have expected. You have to, at some point, and, and this is the problem. I believe it was James. I believe it was James alluded to it uh, on a pod I was not on, or at least a few weeks ago, the idea that Tony Pulis is who he is, and he is a stubborn bastard, and he is going to do things his way, or and that's it. And the problem is, again, it's too old-fashioned. It's not working. He has to be more aggressive, or you know, we 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 are going to be in trouble. Right. Here's the issue, and this ties back into sort of the Tony Pulis versus the the modern game. I think it's very difficult to tell if Huddersfield is actually any good from that game against Wednesday because Wednesday were so poor. I, I don't think Huddersfield is a good team as currently comprised. I don't think they played very well. Right. But here's the thing. Huddersfield scores goals. It app In modern football, outside of anything else, you score goals, you'll be safe. You don't score goals when you run into trouble. You know, sort of the late period, Karanka, Middlesbrough. If you can't score, and that happened in Norwich too. If you can't score goals, it becomes very difficult to grind out enough results down the stretch to, because somebody else is going to, like we saw, the results really didn't go Wednesday's way uh, this week from the teams around them. Because other teams are like, they're not good teams, but... They can score two goals in a game every once in a while. Wednesday have not scored score two. One goal. Wednesday have not scored two goals in a game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Since the opener against Cardiff, I think that sounds right. Yeah, I, I think mean, they, we, I th- we, they scored two in the League Cup, but I don't count that. I mean, in the league they scored. No, they've right, not scored right. two goals since in a game since the opener against Cardiff. I mean, we have nine goals in the season, no? <laughs> uh, that might be right now. I've I've stopped keeping track because they have more goals and red cards now, so it's not actually funny. <laughs> None of this shit is funny, Jeff. Yeah. This is fucking grim. Right, and, so and here's... Hold, hold on. Last, mm-hmm. So two, two things. I want to make a point that is actually kind of funny. Um, so I'll do first my uh, grim point, and that's if we... The whole deal with getting Tony Pulis, the entire fucking deal of getting Tony Pulis is that it was going to be ugly. It was going to be hideous, but at least it was going to be effective. And if we have more games like we saw yesterday, I mean, here's the thing. What do you need? What, what, what does Tony Pulis give you? Your team is compact and you have effective set pieces. And yesterday we were not compact and we were horrendous on set pieces. We had something like 10 corners. How many threatened? None. And and it's 75 minutes in, and Pulis is sticking with his, well, let's get some corners. We had a bunch of corners in the second half. They didn't do shit. So that, anyway, I'm I'm done talking about that stupid game. Um, But I do want to mention, if anybody has a chance to look and go back, it it made me literally laugh out loud. Uh, We're in the 75th minute against uh, Nobody nobody is going to go back and watch these games. No, that's okay. (laughs) Uh, but it, it really sums, sums up 
maybe the lack and total dearth of talent on this team. Uh, 75th minute against Norwich. I believe we're still up at that point. Everybody's playing really well. Uh, Bannon has the ball uh, and kind of settles it in midfield. And Joey Pelopesi comes bombing up the middle. (laughs) Do they run into each other? (laughs) No, 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 no. It's a great run. And in fact, it's a great run where I actually noticed, my God, if he gives him that ball, he's got space to run into. And Bannon looks at him, pauses, and passes right behind him, way outside to a standing still Adam Reach to just settle things down. And I thought, poor Joey. You know, he makes a perfect run, and everybody's I mean, like, ah, let's not do that. He's Frank Reichardt in practice, but once the game starts. Uh, and I think I Joe Joey does what he does. If you put him in a position to succeed, if you limit what you ask him to do, he's a fine championship caliber player. Mm. Um, but I don't ask him to uh, slot a ball home all alone from the fucking twelve yards out in a game. You know. All right, I'm done. I'm all right, done. don't talk ask this. us to talk anymore about these two games. <laughs> we'll take a break. We come back. How do we? Just how the fuck do we do a half hour? We'll take a break and we come back. <laughs> Cover the Wednesday news and preview two more, not derbies, but certainly slogs. Welcome back. Now it's time for some Wednesday news. Uh, It's not really any Wednesday news. I am reliably informed by ITK expert Justin DeSorger that apparently Sheffield Wednesday might be in on Joe Piggott, who I did not not know who this was. But apparently he's a striker. He's a very tall number nine from Wimbledon. Um, I will give a big shout out to... uh... A uh, good uh, good Twitter follow uh, Owls Analytics or it may actually be Analytics Owls on Twitter. Um, he's the one who had uh, had pointed this out today and had put together a nice little thread looking at uh, some of the available resources um, th- that are out there as to you know what he would bring to the table. The but, available but resources is... being tall, slow strikers. <laughs> I, I meant the available resources being websites like oh, okay, uh, okay. who scored or <laughs> gotcha, uh, gotcha, right. gotcha. But <laughs> no, it sounds sounds like something that would be uh, exactly what Tony Pulis wants. But I, I think everybody just heard so, me uh, go off on Tony Pulis. So it is it is December tenth, ninth. Yeah, so we're getting closer to the transfer window. Do you think there's? I guess we'll have plenty of time to preview this, and they have plenty of more rumors to come. But do you think there's going to be a fair amount of squad turnover in January. That's not something that's really happened in the past, but Pulis feels like the kind of, like we've talked about sort of the bad parts of Tony Pulis in the first segment, but he might be the kind of guy that is willing to just completely stand up to the locker room and possibly the chairman as well and try to clean house a little bit. Yeah, but we, we just, fucking got out of like dire financial so i mean trouble in, intrinsic this would be selling a lot of like selling players that don't fit either or maybe selling barry mm-hmm. bannon selling dominic iorfa oh well geez hey 
if Damayor, if it I mean, I don't know who actually is actually going to get up, money right? out of the squad is the thing. So No, if, if we were looking to make money... Um, you're probably still you know, getting something from the, Reach. Right, you're talking Reach, who's, who seems to have picked up his play recently. Iorf is obviously a guy, but... No, I'm, I'm not quite ready to get into that. I, I think that... Um, I think that given where we are, we're looking to buy in January. I think that some of Pulis's comments have suggested to me that he knows he's not going to have a lot of money. And I think we're going to be looking at a lot of. I mean, I don't think his style or... necessarily loans itself, like lends itself to requiring eight figure strikers or attacking midfielders or wingers is the thing. <laughs> you Which can go spend 750K on a 31 year old like free kick specialist from league one. That's fine. Ben Marshall. <laughs> well, yeah. I think he's still in the but, championship, you know, but at, at, at this point, like anything, would, yeah. whatever, whatever keeps us up. Uh, I, I don't think we're going down, but we're getting, you're, yeah, we're getting you're more close. confident about that than I am after this recent yeah. run of results. But, um, with Wednesday in a relegation fight, we might not be that far from seeing fans back in Hillsborough because this weekend, I think it's the tier two cities. We're still allowed, we're allowed to have uh, small amounts of fans in the stands. Norwich obviously did. None of them were wearing masks or social distancing, as best I could tell from the uh, <laughs> from the camera shots when they actually like. Look, I know Carroll Road isn't the biggest stadium in the world, but it did seem like they put all the fans on one side, which seems like not something to do during a global pandemic. So that's been everywhere that's had fans back. And I don't, I don't really I guess understand what I guess. Yeah. I don't either. Like, cause then you're also putting them all through one gate, which probably doesn't make sense right. to me. You like, I don't it, know. It doesn't, it doesn't make I have any no idea. I, I, I think the fans should be allowed to go to football. And I think that what, what we have learned without, giving away my uh, secret uh, identity as an epidemiologist. <laughs> uh, I think what we have learned is that if you are outside and you are not sitting on somebody's lap, you are pretty likely to not get involved with the COVID nonsense. It is pretty safe and, and not too bad. So again, I think the, I mean, oh, I wanted to, drive to New York and find whoever runs NBC sports and kick them in the balls. Cause I assume they're a man. Um, when the Liverpool wolves game the other day, and they took the four minutes to show the Liverpool fans singing, you'll never walk alone. Uh, and they were all in one fucking section. What are you doing? Anfield holds 55,000 people, spread them out, let them go wherever they want Lock off every other row. Whatever it is. Um, I mean, you know, Jeff, you kind of made a little bit of a joke earlier alluding to the fact that you and I won't necessarily know. But um, it, it's really important to get fans back into football. Is is football a priority right now, given the, everything going on in the world? No, it's not. But I, I think that the stats and, and what you see shows that if done – wisely in countries that are not the one that we live in um you can 
get people into football stadiums without it being too risky. Um, of course, in England, uh, you have to be uh, either in the middle of fucking nowhere like Norwich or in London where all of the people who give money to your politicians <laughs> live. Well, sort of on that general, like global pandemic or no, I frankly think we as a society have moved past the need for Millwall. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a it's a can of worms, but because there's there's a certain degree of trying to understand where somebody's coming from. Right. And, and if you're if you're from a certain background and you have a certain perspective and you are fed certain information, you know, you might be inclined to say something like, oh, these players kneeling represents a Marxist organization and Marxism is going to destroy the world. And then I would suggest to you that it's not 1950 and we're all far more uh, educated and understand these things. Um, but Christ, there's a, a buddy of mine is a Crystal Palace fan and has a picture that he found in a pub, a Crystal Palace pub. And I think about it all the time and it's just scrawled on the bathroom wall. It just says, Millwall fans are cavemen. Uh, I tell the story of I tell the Martin Hodge story from this bar in Queens. I think I've told it the podcast. Uh, yeah. So here's yeah. the thing, real quick. You yeah. have, yeah. and you tried to bring it out a couple weeks ago and got a rational shit. But yeah. I have not heard your Martin Hodge story. And because oh, those fuckers, <laughs> they fucked off to England and left us to discuss Huddersfield. You just feel free. You All just right. feel well, free to tell your Martin Hodge story. I'll tell the Martin Hodge story because the the, the context of it relates in a greater sense to, to Millwall and going to games at Millwall. So there's, James. A, there's this bar, sorry, James, there's this bar around the corner from my friends in Sunnyside. I will look this up because I think fair enough. It's a nice bar. They open up at seven 30 to show football games in Queens. So they should be recognized. So I'm now Google searching, Google mapsing my, friend's apartment so i can find the actual location all right so it's on the street there flynn's garden inn on skillman avenue in sunnyside queens new york and it's run by this very old british barman who was quite the youth football player in his day um, and every time I go in there, which is not often because I'm usually going into the football factory, but if I want to catch like a Premier League game or uh, uh, my friend Mark, who I go down with often, is an Arsenal fan. So sometimes we don't want to go too far to see the Arsenal game. So it's easy enough to go around the corner and just have this bar. It's a perfectly lovely bar. I have no complaints. Lovely barman, all the soccer's on TV. <laughs> but he tells this story because I, I came in the first time with Mark to watch the Arsenal game. He asked Mark who he supported. He said Arsenal. He asked me who I support. And he said Sheffield Wednesday. He said Sheffield Wednesday. Do you know Martin Hodge? I'm like, yes, I know Martin Hodge. He was their goalkeeper in the 80s. He was uh, actually even Sheffield Wednesday's captain at one point. So as the story goes, this barman was on trial 
with Martin Hodge at Plymouth Argyle. He was like a Sunday league or like pub league player in the 70s or whatever. And they both got called in. I don't think they played on the same public team, but they both got called in to be on trial at Plymouth at the same time. And uh, he gets called into the office of the manager, I assume at the time. And after a couple of weeks, if it's, you know, I don't know if it's like preseason or whatever, I don't know the actual, the under 23 is what the equivalent was then. And he goes to the barman, you're very pretty, but you'll never be a footballer. It's like, you come back next week. We'll get you a kit. And he went on to be, he didn't think that was Martin Hodge. So not a particularly interesting story, but I have gone to that bar probably a half dozen times now, probably more than that. Every time I come in, with Mark. He asks Mark, who does he support? Mark says Arsenal. <laughs> he asks me, I say Sheffield Wednesday. He says, Sheffield Wednesday, do you know who Martin Hodge is? Yeah, and Martin I say, Hodge. and I say, yes, Martin Hodge is the Sheffield Wednesday goalkeeper in the 80s. He was even our captain. And then he launches into this story every time. And it's glorious. But the first time this happened, we were sitting at a bar with a, with a Chelsea fan. And I, somehow Millwall came up and he said, yeah, you know, uh, Back when I lived in London, I was dating a Millwall fan and Chelsea was playing Millwall in like a cup game or something. She's like, we should go. And he's like, I, I really don't want to. And he's like, oh, yeah. So finally, I guess she convinced him to go. And like, as he's getting out of the tube stop, like and he's wearing his Chelsea shirt because, I mean, you have to, but also he's an idiot. There's like, people like throwing like Molotov cocktails at him. <laughs> as he's walking from there it's like a car on fire on the street and this is the old den it's just like we have when when chelsea fans think that you are like right-wing cavemen racists there's a problem and that you know listen i mean this is this has been millwall's identity this has been what they are and you know from everything i saw the club fucking knew this and the club went out of their way to say ahead of time, this gesture by our players, this gesture that we as a team, as a club support, mm-hmm. has nothing to do with any other organized group. It is simply a way of recognizing and and responding to um, racism that exists today and showing solidarity with those who deal with racism. And when a whole fuckload of Millwall fans decided that, oh, that's our cue. Uh, <laughs> and by the no, way, we, I mean, can, we can have a long conversation about them trying to depoliticize that, but that's neither here uh, nor there. That's a whole other issue. <laughs> I mean, I, I will just say, and I don't think we need to spend too much time on this because yeah. Lord knows. I've already spent way more time talking about Millwall on a Sheffield Wednesday podcast <laughs> than I ever wanted to. So, but, but the problem is, is that it's not just... Millwall. Yeah. We, Patty, Patty and I got into a spat um, this summer with some people over what does, you know, what does Black Lives Matter mean? What does All Lives Matter mean? How does one support this and that? It's, you know, uh, thankfully the guys at, at a group like uh, Owls Against Racism are doing a really nice job and and being supportive um, of things like this. But, man, it's the, the day that somebody deciding to take, what is it, 15 seconds mm-hmm. of their time to quietly, unobtrusively 
and peacefully announce that they support those who have been attacked and assaulted because of the color of their skin. The fact that that makes you boo. Oh, fuck. Like it's 2020. We got to be better than that. Let's move on to our match previews and it will be a study in contrasts. We'll start with Barnsley at the weekend, not a derby. Uh, <laughs> not a derby. Not emphatically a derby. stated. <laughs> Say this every time there's a Barnsley game. Not a derby. Oh, fuck. Not a derby. I mean, honestly, we probably could just leave it at not a it's derby. It's not a derby. But... You need anything else, really? <laughs> so they've been better than I expected this year, I would say. Um well, so here's the thing. I don't know if you remember, Jeff, coming into the year, uh, our uh, derby hunting Barnsley friends were uh, very excited about the Stuber train. We kept hearing yes. about uh, the Stuber train. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Stuber train's not stopping. And listen, the, the Stuber train shot, the Stuber train, by the way, stopped in the first round of the MLS playoffs. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, Patty. Mm. MLS sucks. I said it. Um, I was very excited to see my main man, Gustav Svensson, score the winner for Seattle Sounders against uh, Minnesota United. Fun little comeback. Uh, I no lead is safe in the want, MLS. Definitely don't want to get into MLS talk, but I no, did yeah. see those highlights. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he scored so something yeah, like stu- 17 goals in 450 career appearances. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, Barnsley was looking good coming in the year. Uh, Stuber had really turned them into, you know, he, he's Austrian, and he had had that, you know, aggressive um, German pressing. You know, he had them mm-hmm. really um, attacking and coming at it. Um, they played really well in the second half of last year, and Barnsley fans are feeling very confident. Coming into this year, it obviously didn't work out. Um Struber left, which was very disappointing in them. The guy they had brought in, I didn't remember as a Premier Leaguer. Um, uh, Valerian Ismail, uh, French international, um, had played, I believe, Crystal Palace for a little while. Um, That's probably why but, you don't remember. Well, there you go. Um, what I was blown away to find out, I didn't realize, I knew that... Um, I mean, he also, played for, he also played for Bayern, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, that's. I probably should mention that one first. Uh, I unfortunately was not watching the Bundesliga in the uh, late eighties, no, early nineties. No, mid two thousand. He's only there. like forty five. Yeah, he's forty five. The same age you yeah, are, basically. So, so. I forty four in January, but mm. let's let's hold back a little bit, huh? Uh, what's pretty fascinating is, um, and this is definitely a sidetrack, but uh, RB Salzburg, uh, yeah, RB Salzburg has. Uh, an American coach, Jesse Marsh, who mm. had also been with Red Bulls, no? Yeah. Uh, you guys probably know him better than me. So one of the first American managers to go over and be pretty successful. And Salzburg won the league last year. I didn't realize part of the reason they won the league is because uh, Ismael, now <laughs> Barnsley's manager, uh, held secret training sessions while under COVID lockdown. The Austrian league uh, stripped them of points and they lost the title 
uh, when he was with uh, LASK or LASK or however you pronounce that. Anyway, uh, to update to what we expect to see from Barnsley, he has largely decided to rely on a, and this is a great move by a manager, largely rely on what uh, Struber had set up. Um, They are going to be pressing. They are going to be uh, honest from from the start, um, really trying to attack. Uh, Most of their attack goes through uh, Collie Woodrow uh, Mm -hmm. up the middle, usually to play a center forward if they go with um, more people outside. Um, he, he may shift outside a little bit. They tend to do a three-four-three, and you can call that whatever the fuck you want. Whether it's a three-four-one-two or three-four-two-one, they tend to change who's up, who's up top, or how many are up top. But you know, Coll- Collie Woodrow's the guy. He's the man to keep an eye on. Um, you know, they've got a few. You know, I think most of us probably know Alex Moet. Um, I've seen him bounce around a few years, only 25 though. Uh, they're not going to offer a ton, um, although they play an up-tempo brand of football. What, what really struck me with them though, and as it made me think of Huddersfield is these are two teams coincidentally, both in Yorkshire, but these are two teams that are not necessarily great, but they are making the decision to play modern football under modern managers and you know it's not always pretty uh barnsley took a beating from bournemouth uh last game uh but you know it's it's better than the shit we're doing (laughs) and then we head to a six-pointer against forest on tuesday looking at this like God, this is like set up perfectly for Tony Pulis to win one now, and they just need to do that. I have no greater hope than that. So, no, I mean that's the you know you you and I alluded to it a little bit earlier, and we'll hopefully not have to talk about this in a week. But I I don't think Wednesday's going down, and part of the reason I don't think they're going down is because some of the teams around them are <laughs> fucking crap. Forest is off. Forest, <laughs> Forest has ten goals and twenty-one against this year. Yeah, they have four of their ten goals are from open play. Now, four of our nine are from <laughs> open play, so not really one to uh. talk. But, but my God, when you look at what Forest did, so so the biggest the biggest difference, which you and I were talking about, um off air is the fact that Chris Hewton is in mm-hmm. and Chris Hewton has stabilized them a little bit for forest lost their first four games of the year. And that's what it took to get Lamucci fired. Since you say, you say stabilize in, a little bit, but based on the notes you sent me, they have one point from their last six games. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. That, <laughs> that looks about right. They are. They are three, Which is the reason Wednesday are still only four lost. points from safety because Safety is Nottingham Forest, and they have one point from their last six games, which is fewer than Wednesday. They have 10 goals in 17 games. Like, Christ, get it together, guys. Not fewer than Wednesday. (laughs) No, and that's, you know, that's... Again, if ever there was a game to win 1-0, it's 
Tony Pulis against Chris Hewton. I, I don't think we need to get too into this game because I, cause I think, don't. Jeff, actually, that's perfect. That, yeah, that just, that's it. That's good. We just, that just summed it up. Just let let me just mention yep. for, for, people to, yeah, <laughs> for people to be prepared. You are not going to believe how many 29-year-old <laughs> championship veterans there are in this team from I mean, Cyrus probably Christie would believe, to Anthony Knocker. You would believe Anthony Knocker because it's a Chris Hutton team, but yeah. Lyle Taylor, Harry Arder, like it is just, oh, and then of course. Sammy Amiobi? I scrolled oh, down. Yeah. Holy shit. Joe Lally. Sammy, Sammy Amiobi has In the year 2020. <laughs> and he's younger. He's only 28. It's only 28. Yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, this squad, they are just as absolutely trash garbage as we are, but we have a better defense. So yeah, one, one, nothing to the Wednesday. Two, three. <laughs> so, wow. I would have guessed. So there's a, if you're a football ramble listener, they do a, they do a game every week. It's called Luke's game where he gives you a player and you have to, and it has played for a lot of teams. You can bid against each other, like name that tune style about how many teams you can name that he's played for. I figured Sammy Amiobi would have played for like nine teams by now, but he's only played for five teams with Newcastle for eight years. And he went on a loan a couple of times, but. Oh, the loan, the loan mm-hmm. thing is a factor. Um, yeah. Now Forrest is, Forest is trash. They're they're playing a typical Hutton four two three one. They're gonna try to get the ball out wide, get in the middle. I I, I Jeff, I you know, I, I said to you off air, I might have even alluded to it earlier. If if we don't come out of these two games mm-hmm. with four points, I'm on your we're going down bandwagon. I'm, but I'm not on I'm not saying we're going down, but I have started to um begin to brace myself for the possibility that Wednesday are going to go. I, I, I would not be shocked at this point. If well, Pulis, here's the thing. Pulis has had a tough schedule for all I've done this yeah, month. Shitting yeah, on yeah, him. Fine. They, they have played like, I mean, they played their Swan, worst against Swan, the worst team, but yes, yeah, fine. Swansea's good. Stoke is good. Norwich is good. Reading is better than us, right? <laughs> Huddersfield has, young attacking talent and an innovative manager um, that describes like yeah. most of the teams from the 11th best to the 19th best in the championship is the thing. Well, this so. is why we're not in that group. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. one of the reasons there are many, <laughs> one of the reasons. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I would guess that what we'll see Saturday is that game against Barnsley. I'm, I'm guessing a fairly drab nil nil because mm. they will, press us and we will dump it long and and not get anything from it and then against forest again we better fucking get three points man if you can't here's the one interesting thing too about forest is that at home they've got two wins two draws and three ties um with a minus one goal difference so they're playing fine at home which i think is very strange because i don't think home road splits really matter on the road, uh, they are one win, one draw, and seven losses with a minus ten goal difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, so there's, there's just one uh, we are playing at City yeah. Park, yeah, <laughs> the City Ground, right? 
I mean, it's probably better because if you looked at Wednesday's home form recently. Oh, fuck, right. It, it would be the resistible object, object, the object needs to movable force. force. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to episode 117 of the Owls Americast. We're still looking for season sponsors. You want to sponsor in, you know, amazingly insightful and enthusiastic content about the remainder of the Sheffield Wednesday season. You especially can contact if you're a waffle us. company. If you're, especially if you're a waffle, waffle company. Sponsor. We do need an official waffle. If MLS has one, we should have one. You can get in touch with us if you own an off-brand waffle company at owlsamericans.com or owlsamericans at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Owls Americas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdays, Reverend and the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Justin's on Twitter at New England Owl. Justin, what will you do with your 2021-2022 season instead of watching Wednesday in League One? Nothing, bud. I'll be watching Wednesday. Yeah, I'll be watching one. Wednesday in League One as well. Uh, <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. You can tune in once again next week and for the 2021-2022 season, even if they're in League One.